Three shots, four part, I just do two, one pup, pop four, birdie, woohoo, new driver, info, replace, M2, pop five, fairway, what you finna do? Think I'll try to get on into, start right, good line, good view, Andrew, shoot him, make Gavin, two thumbs up, somebody. Welcome back to another episode of On the Screws Podcast. This one's uh this one's a pretty cool one for me personally, because we've had a couple guys named Mac on the show now. Uh <laughs> first name, last name, but now we've got a custom putter builder, Josie Sandy from Mac Made Workshop. How are you doing, Josie? Good. How y'all? Ah, oh, we're doing great, man. Doing well. How are you doing, Bryce? Good. Yeah, all is well. I just got home from work just in time to uh, to make it out here, so I'm excited to be here and excited to get chatting about these uh, these putters. Yeah, these things are beautiful, man. These things are absolutely beautiful. Um, Josie, can we uh, can we jump into it? Maybe kind of let us know a little bit about yourself. I know if anybody's watching this on YouTube, you can catch a little glimpse of his truck in the back. So you've got a bit of a uh, bit of past, uh, I guess, turning a wrench like myself. I've mentioned it a couple times on the pod, but uh, maybe a bit about yourself and and how you kind of found your way into sitting with the CNC machine behind you right now building some of the nicest looking putters on the planet man sure um come from a custom car background we built hot rods bag trucks stuff of that nature when you stand see design your own parts you slowly start to learn about cnc machining and taught ourselves how to run the machine and just kind of went from there and then i used putters as a way to teach myself how to machine and then just kind of caught fire and spiraled out of control. And now I make putters full time. So. Love it, man. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to borrow a quote here. We, we had a little bit of a, an audio drop there, but, uh, wasn't too bad. I think everybody gets the idea that, uh, you're building some of the nicest putters, uh, like I said, on the planet, but after a particularly bad day putting, I was positive. It was this off the shelf, soulless factory putter. It was the putter's fault and definitely not my lack of talent or practice. So that's kind of what's brought you into, uh, to building these things. So, um, but yeah, that was pretty much it. I love that quote. I was kind of reading through the bio. So, uh, if you haven't go check out the website, but, uh, yeah, I was kind of reading through the bio and thought there's a lot of us who have had that same thought, but we've never, uh, we've never just started building putters and create our own company through it. Can I ask you the name? I got to ask you the name. So my name's Mac, like I mentioned to you. And uh, yeah, Mac Made Workshop's pretty cool. Can I ask you how you uh, how you came up with that one? Uh, Mac's my middle name. It's a family name. Uh, and Mac Made Putters a lot better than everybody getting Josie very wrong and calling me Jose or Jose or all the other stuff. So Mac Made had their ring to it. A little, little easier, a little cleaner. And that's, I don't know, sounded good to me. Everybody else liked it. Looks good on the hat. Yeah, Josie's a uh, Josie's kind of a Canadian name. I feel like we we've got some Josies up here, like so. I think it's an easy one for uh, for us to pick up. Bryce is actually down in the states. He's down in Michigan, so he's kind of uh, our translator. We've had a translator a couple <laughs> times, right? So, so so Bryce is our translator here. We got Mac uh, with the very. We were kind of joking about my uh, accent, Bryce. It's like very Canadian when I say about or a boot, and yeah. uh, you know, and I've kind of lost mine a bit. Every time I go home, my parents kind of say, "You're getting Americanized," as they say. Yeah, uh, I've just been here so long now. I kind of start to lose the lose the Canadian accent, but I mean, I don't notice it, but little a uh, little bit of a twang right so um mm-hmm. josie can we jump right into it can we talk about kind of what you got in the lineup right now like i know um yeah, yeah. you know you do custom as well but you've also got a, a nice selection uh up on the on the website there that people can kind of check out and all through your instagram page can we talk about them a bit yeah um all of my shapes are, are custom shapes uh, i haven't designed anything unless somebody has asked for it i don't i don't have a 
a stock series or just kind of a generic head shape that people can buy. I make sure, like, kind of the only requirement of all of my putters is that they're all unique. Every one of them is different. Um, no two are the same. It's, it's really boring doing production work. Uh, that's that's why I left the shop that I was at to do putters full time is because we transitioned from hot rods into doing production parts. Uh, and production parts is just, like I said, you know, mind-numbingly boring. So all the putters, uh, I make sure they're all unique. They're all super custom. They're all one-off, one-of-one. No two will ever be the same. And that's what keeps me interested in it. Um, every week is a new challenge. Every putter head is something different. And I think that's very cool. Like, And I think that's what separates me from probably uh, maybe not all of them, but most of them out mm. there. And the other guys kind of like me that make custom putters, is they kind of have a little bit more of a parameter. You have to, like, stay inside. Uh, and I say the hell with that. You know, let's, let's make whatever you want to. That's what's cool. Yeah, like, yeah I think that's awesome because, I mean, there's plenty of guys out there that um, think their putter is, like, their – their main part of their bag. I mean, I can't putt, so I don't feel that way. But a lot of people like their putters like their babies. So when you can get a putter custom made like that, it's just like it's even more personable. It's even more yours. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I've I've done all the research, and I'm a I'm a decent golfer. Like I carry about a two handy, so I've, I've done all the fittings and whatnot, and I've looked at all the important stats and everything. But I think putting comes down to confidence more than anything else and if you're confident with what you're using that what you're using is right you're going to be better with it well in the putters too like we, we've mentioned in the past it's kind of one of those things that it's less technology driven than the others right than the other clubs in the bag so it's something that we can kind of like you know pass down onto our son or our daughter who might be playing the game but uh i was saying there i, I was talking to my wife last night my birthday is coming up uh this year my 35th so i'm getting a little bit old but it's time to uh look at this elkmont i think because i've rolled the delmar for a little while now and it's that kind of shape and it's uh that's i don't know to me with it's got kind of like that heel hosel style which i like and then it's got a twisted neck like how do you do that uh josie like how do you how do you get that twisted around uh the twisted's always all start as that one uh just kind of your basic straight yeah you know pro right. neck and then they get bent to loft and lie uh, and then with these i'll weld this to the table my work table over there big vice grip on top of it torch off the side, cook it up, get it hot. Then you just spin it around. Yeah. Done. It's probably about the most rudimentary caveman thing that I still do as far as putters go. But there's just no simple, clean, or easy way to machine something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. so it's kind of neat to be able to, you know, get back in touch with my, like, teenage, play with fire roots, and, and just go, go to bed on it. And once you heat it up like that, it's pretty malleable, right, as long as you get it to, to the right temperature? Exactly right. Yeah, I always, uh, even when I built cars and like fabricated metal and stuff, you, you got to think of metal as water to a degree, like mm -hmm. even though it's obviously super hard, but the way you work it and massage it in the shape and with a little bit of heat, you can, you can turn it into butter and it'll yeah. do whatever you want it to do. 
So, so these, like I'm looking through, sorry, Josie, I'm kind of like lost looking through your page right now. I'm checking out these, all, like all the different putters here. I'm looking at the slide, the Elkmont, the Jewel, the Jewel Squared. Like, so these are all just one-offs that you've built. If somebody came to you and was like, Hey, I want to do that. Like you would, you could recreate that for them, I guess, but you'd want to put like a, sure. different, um, like a different custom vibe on it for that, uh, for that client. Yeah. I mean, that's the joy of, of CAD, like SolidWorks is once you develop a head, uh, you have it forever, you know, and once I program all the machining for it, I have that forever. Uh, so I can go back and make another, you know, jewel smooth head relatively easy. You know, if, um, the hard work is already done. But then again, if somebody wants it stretched a little bit or if they want it to weigh 380 grams instead of 355, you know, I can go in, stretch this, pull that and make it, you know, that's how I customize it. You know, I don't. I don't have weight ports on my putters. Like if you want it to be a certain weight, I build it as that weight. Um, and that's kind of the customizing part of it too. Uh, you know, and you can get whatever face mill you want on it, whatever design you want on it to, to also make it look different, make it cool, make it unique, make it yours. Man, these are these are all cool. Like the Gramps is pretty cool too. It's like that old like uh, eighty eight oh two kind of look, kind of vibe. I love that man. Yeah. And uh, the one right above it's the elk, which is I think that's the elk, right? Is that the? It's got the uh, on my website. I don't know. I don't check. Yeah, it. yeah. So it's just uh, it's, <laughs> I'm just kind of getting stuck on them here, but uh, they're they're pretty cool, man. Like they're all pretty cool. Um, the one's got the Canadian flag on it, so obviously, hopefully, that came yeah. out to uh, somebody up north of the border here. Um, I send I send a surprising amount up there. Like, yeah. uh, it's funny too because uh, we were we were chatting with Chris from Chris's Custom Gloves uh, a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned the same thing: how he had like a, you know, just a very rudimentary approach to how he he does his work with the like, you know, he'll just heat up a flame, set something on fire, and then you know, before he knows it, he's created something beautiful, right? So it's kind of cool yeah. to hear <laughs> you guys both say that. It's, uh, it's a pretty neat feature. Um, can we talk like uh, a little bit about like the process? So if, uh, you know, Bryce or I want to get one of these built up, um, like, do we just kind of reach out with you to like an, uh, like kind of a style or something that we've done in the past or a putter that we've had in the past. And then you kind of like mock it up. Uh, typically how it goes is, you know, you contact me. I do have a small deposit before I can get working on anything. Otherwise I was doing free 3d models 40 hours a week. Mm. Um, but after, after that we work together, you kind of put together your list of wants, uh, whatever pictures and designs or shapes that you want. When I go through that, kind of blend them together, do whatever, make a 3D model of it on, on CAD, and I send you the pictures and videos of it uh, so you can approve it. You know, nine times out of 10, the way it starts is never the way it finishes, you know, especially when somebody finally sees a design on a putter head, it might look different, I need to be bigger, smaller, or just completely scrap it and start over. Um, None of that hurts my feelings when people tell me they don't like it because that just means that's one less thing we got to worry about yeah. to make sure we make exactly what you want in the end. And then after you approve said 3D model, um, I'll start machining. And the whole, the whole time, too, I'll send you pictures and videos of the machining process, like the different steps, you know, where it starts as you know, just a billet block of steel. Uh, it goes through the different steps. You know, it turns into different said flocks of steel. Um, and then all of a sudden done, you have a putter at the end. Uh, and that way, a lot of guys keep, obviously, they keep all these pictures in like a file or something. Uh, because it is kind of the blueprint of their putter. And 
the evolution of it from nothing to to something like that i think that's pretty cool um and uh as being like a shop guy or at least most shop guys we really enjoy showing people what we do you know even when we built cars you know we would have guys come and hang out just to watch us build their car um and i still like doing that with the putters you know like a lot of my clients especially if they're local they'll come here and we'll machine it together you know together but they'll stand there beside me they'll have a beer you know we'll hang out for the day and we'll make a putter Uh, and for 99 out of 100 golfers they have absolutely no idea how a putter gets made and i think it's really cool to show people this is these are the steps you know it's not magic you know it's not a it's not a soulless process like even though people think like i just get a piece of steel throw it at the machine you know press some buttons and then a putter flies out of it uh it's not it's a very hands-on labor intensive process you know and and then even when the machine's done with it i still got you know three to five eight hours of handwork done with it as far as like polishing and you know, twisting the neck, bending this, finishing that, torching it, paint feel, mm-hmm. you know, a whole nine yards. Like it's a very involved process. Yeah, that's very much. Sorry, that's one of the things I was, was going to mention. Uh, so I think a lot of people don't get. Yeah, sorry there, Josie. I was just uh, I was just talking over you for a second, but uh, that's one of the things I was going to mention. Is like I've done a like I've done a couple of trades I mentioned as in automotive as well. That's why the hot rod stuff, I want to come back to that. That definitely fascinates me and, and the welding as well. So like the welds, uh, your TIG welding, I guess. Yep. Yeah. So like the welds on these putters is like, uh, it's, Pristine. yeah, it's, it's hard to explain how good those are. Um, like the average person will look at a weld, you know, of the average welder and it'll be like, Oh, that looks cool. But like yeah. the level of like precision on those welds and those beads are just like immaculate, man. I love it. I, and the fact that like you can have people come in and, and kind of, you know, work on their own putter. That's cool. That's cool. Cause yeah, I was just going to say, I think that's would be an, an incredible experience. I mean, yeah. I couldn't name one golf brand that would, give you the access to that kind of experience um well not off the top of my head anyways i think that's fantastic that you're letting customers come in and do that because that just adds a whole nother personal level to the putter in my opinion and getting to build it with you i think that's that's awesome i always thought it was cool like like i said when we built cars and trucks like people would want to come and help like they would want to put their hands even though they're paying us to do it like yeah now they're they're paying us to do it and then they're also helping us build it and I, and, but they just like being a part of the process. Like they right. like being able to tell their buddies, like I helped him weld that, or I helped him put that together. Yeah, totally. The same thing with the putters. Cause you know, like I said, 99 out of the hundred golfers have absolutely no story about how their putter was made. You know, they can't go to Odyssey or mm-hmm. insert box store here and watch them make it yeah. or have any input of, of how they make it, you know? And I think it is cool to give somebody that personal connection with it. Uh, that you can't fake, you know, you can't, can't nope. make that up. Like, a, I don't know. I think it's cool. Do you, uh, do you have an idea of like how long each one would take? Like, I know you said you have eight to 10 hours after you kind of get it off the machine and whatnot. So, um, kind of start to finish. How long's one of, uh, how long's one of the putters take to put together? Kind of a loaded question. Uh, right. you know, depending on what head shape you can have an hour worth of CAD time to where the model just flies together. Everything looks good. The proportions are just right. Uh, and it just works. Uh, whereas like some of the other ones, like the, uh, the bullseye style putter I did, I bet I had 14 hours of draw time in it. 
just because it's such a complex shape to get everything to flow and to look like it's supposed to like it's supposed to be that shape and not computer generated like it's that it's really hard to make something that looks like you made it out of play-doh actually make it out of a machine because you know this thing likes straight lines and computers is a straight lines way easier than anything curved right so mm-hmm. the draw time can can vary greatly and then the the programming like actually telling the machine how to cut it out of steel can take a long time or a little time uh, but as far as like if it's a head shape that I already have designed and I'm just kind of putting in somebody's customization, we machine it and put it together. If I worked nonstop, just kind of like head down going, probably about 10 hours, I guess. Um, uh, I, the, the first guy that come here and we machined the putter and did the whole thing, like he got here at 7 o'clock in the morning. He left at 7 o'clock in the afternoon with the putter, you know, and, and that was the only time we had about an hour of lunch and then about an hour of bullshit and after it. Um, and so it was about 10 hours of head down work. Um, and to my surprise, he actually stayed and watched the whole process, but right. uh, that, that would be a general idea. Now you could, somebody could probably get it done faster, I guess, but I can't not, not making sure everything's right. Like there's corners to be cut to get it done faster. Like, your average Scotty Cameron doesn't take 10 hours, you know, yeah. block of steel to in the box. It probably takes a, a quarter of that, you know, that's also, better, that, so. that's also the difference between fully customized and kind of your typical box re, box, big box re, retailer, right. That's bringing sure, out sure. 20, 20 of the same putters compared to year one, probably, or whatever the, the ratio yeah. is, but. It's just that customization factor takes that much more time and care kind of. Sure. Like my machine, like my machine on time per putter is probably twice as much as something like theirs is because mm-hmm. theirs is engineered to make a million of them. You know? Yeah. They're worried yeah. about counting seconds. Whereas when I'm making one, if it takes an extra half hour, I don't care. You know, it's, yeah, exactly. it's worth it to me. And, and so we'll pay for yeah. So depending on how many orders you get per week or per day, um, what's your like, kind of like day in the life in the shop? I mean, kind of like within a week span, um, kind of, I know it's kind of a vague question because it depends on orders and stuff, but just generally what, what are you doing day to day? I try to keep it on a pretty good schedule, like to kind of keep me sane because especially when I first started, I was really working too much. Like I was probably putting in 70 hours a week. You know, just unrealistic workload and, you know, the fiance, like even the, my shop is at my house and my fiance would never see me. You know, I was out here before she would wake up to go to work in the morning and I was out here until 11 o'clock at night. Uh, and so I quickly learned, well, it took me six months, but I, I learned soon enough after she yelled at me enough that <laughs> that is not a sustainable lifestyle. Um, so now I kind of have it a little bit more reg- regimented to where it's like, on Mondays, I typically do most of my computer CAD work. Like I sit down, I lock in, I'm drawing all day long. I'm 3D modeling. Uh, Tuesdays is typically my machine day. I'll turn the machine on and I will machine probably three putters. Uh, I kind of like have it, like to have it capped at that. So I, regardless of how much, how quick they get done, I like to spend X amount of time on them to, so I know I'm not skipping any steps. Like I'm not trying to get anything done as quickly as possible. Like if I'm telling myself this is going to take two hours, if I get done in an hour and a half, I'm going to look at it for 30 minutes to make sure I got everything right. 
then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's usually finish work. It is hand sanding everything, rolling corners, you know, softening the head, welding, assembly, you know, putting the sticks together. Uh, and then just the, the boring part of the job of boxing it up and shipping it, shipping everything. Like that, that takes up way more time than I wish it did because it's just terribly boring. But um, that's kind of where I have it, have it there now. Um, and that seems to be a pretty sustainable workload, like a pretty sustainable like lifestyle too. You know, that allows like usually on Friday afternoons, I actually quit a little early. Um, and when the weather's not miserable, I usually play golf with some guys or just kind of take care of shop stuff, like make sure everything out here is the way it's supposed to be. Like I, I try to keep a real clean shop, a real professional shop, and that's also a full-time job of keeping it, you know, mm-hmm nice like you don't think about all those little things whenever you start out to do something like this but you know like when you run out of paper towels <laughs> you got to sit down and order a box of paper towels or you know coolant for the machine like it's the little things like that that people you know I'm, i wish i was always making putters but sadly part of running a shop is you just have to run a shop and yep. you know when you're a machinist and designer and janitor all rolled into one like you got to wear a lot of hats and it takes a lot of time so yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, doing, yeah, I remember doing my apprenticeship and, uh, like we'd shut it down a half an hour before the end of the day. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the guys that was leading my, uh, my area would kind of shut it down. We'd clean up the, uh, the workbench. So everything's clean for the next day. Right. Otherwise you spend like the first, I don't know, you'd probably spend the first hour of your day kind of going through your shop, trying to find you like some of your tools that you're using and whatnot. Exactly Just right. not, like uh, even when we, even when we worked on cars, you know, and have, something blown apart in a million pieces every day when we were done, it was a half hour organized. Nothing's on the floor. Everything has its home, put it back in its home. And then the next day when you get back to work, it's so much easy to just roll right back into it. I can turn the lights on and turn the machine on and be going in 15 minutes instead of scrambling to put stuff up. And I don't know that dirty shop freaks me out. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. Especially as much time as I spend out here, like, Oh, it's like the podcast space and stuff too. Try to keep it clean. So when you come down, it's set and ready to go. Can we, uh, can we talk about any shafts? Uh, do you have like certain shaft op- options that you go with or, or can you put anything in there that customers looking for? Anything. Okay. Um, you know, I do everything you think of the LIGP stuff, stability, just your, you know, run of the mill steel. Although a lot of that stuff is, you know, little insight into the putter world, but like most of that stuff's kind of gone extinct right now, which is a little scary and frustrating that right like generic black putter shafts kind of don't exist right now like they're gone period in the story can't get them um so you know i guess everybody's dealing with covid you know supply chain issues but you know when you make putters and you call all of your shaft manufacturers and they just tell you we don't have them that <laughs> that's not cool so you got to run through different options but yeah uh, yeah, I can't imagine like that's you're the second putter builder that I've talked to that said the same thing and uh you know kind of just desperately looking for them, right? So yeah, it's just kind of Yeah, I just, just start curious. milling your own shaft. <laughs> <laughs> if it was I I have explored that opportunity or that avenue like what does it take to actually have shafts manufactured and it is a lot. It is a is lot that, yeah. I can take on. Yeah, but <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like that's kind of something that you got to go to the mass production guys and just uh, oh, you just got to yeah. order it up, right? So if you make one, a shaft would cost a thousand dollars. Yeah. If you make a million, a shaft costs seven dollars. <laughs> yeah. It's just how that works. Yeah, so exactly. You got to have the facilities to make a million of them to sell them for seven bucks. And 
Do you, uh, Josie, do you have a favorite piece that you've built uh, up until now? Like up until, uh, you know, we're talking 2022 here, start of 2022. Is there or anything that's in the works? Uh, as far as putters go, like there's very few that really stand out as far as better than the others because so many of them are, they're all like, I like to think just about every putter I make is the best one to somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like to want to a lot of my customers, like this putter is the only one they're ever going to get from me. Look, I can so confidently I tell you your putter, your customers are thinking the same thing. Like I don't own one of these <laughs> yet, but I'm telling, I'm telling you right now, they're thinking that for sure. Yeah. And I, you know, so I like to think like every one of them is, you know, every one of them is the best that I can produce that day. Uh, but we always had a say in like in the shop, like working on cars, like, the next one's always the best one. Like, you know, right. everything you learn from the previous 300, you're going to put it into the 301st. Same thing for the 302nd, so on and so forth. Uh, so I like to think they all get better every time. Uh, and especially if you look at some of the very early ones I did, that's very true. Uh, but I just did, oddly enough, you're from Canada. I just did a pair of putters for a guy that have, I'm sure you remember the Humboldt Broncos. Yeah, the yeah. that's how you post that, yeah. Um, I did – two putters for one of the one of the kids from the hockey team that that survived i made it for his father like kind of to commemorate them and one for their charity as well and i thought they're on my instagram they turned out super good uh and so like something like that that has a deeper meaning you know like that's i I get a lot out of that like i think that's very neat like you know a lot of these things like especially to him you know like we talked a lot Right. Uh, during the build process of that and he you know it's something like that he's going to keep forever and that's mm-hmm. really cool to me like to think that i get to make something <clears throat> for somebody that is going to be very important to them for the rest of their lives like every time he looks at it like it's going to hopefully you know bring up some good memories and i think stuff like that's very cool like and so probably that putter even though it was a very recent one's probably one of the favorite ones i've ever done um you know, just because they do mean so much to somebody, but especially when you make putters for somebody like to commemorate like the birth of their child or mm-hmm. something like that, you know, like they can't replicate that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like you're yeah. not gonna, he's not going to sell that at a, at a garage sale or put it on yeah. eBay, you know, like that stuff that means a lot to me. Like instead of, you know, some people like would, you know, say like the most expensive one, their best one ever, but a lot of times that's just not true. You know, it's the, the ones that matter more to the customer usually end up matter more, mattering more to the builder. And I think that's pretty cool. Well, and, and for anybody listening to um, like the ability to fully customize these putters. So pretty much like anything that, uh, that I can dream up, you can do. Like, it sounds like that's pretty much kind of the idea, Josie. Correct. Yeah. Uh, there's a few limitations as far as like machining goes, but usually we can, or I can do a pretty good job of, of whatever you see in your head, I can probably make into reality. I love that, man. That's so cool. Um, Bryce, anything to add on putters here? Cause I got to talk about cars for a second. <laughs> no, go ahead. All right. Uh, I just scrolled through. It looks like, uh, looks like this, a firebird here. Yeah. Uh, that's my dad's firebird. Is it? Yeah. So, so you're uh, like anybody checking us out over on, on the screws podcast over on YouTube. Uh, you can see a little bit of your truck, uh, at least the front, uh, front right wheel. And, uh, and yeah, there we go. We see a little bit more now. That's pretty cool. Um, you're, you're kind of still working on cars a little bit, but that's how your past was. You're working on hot rods and whatnot. Can we, uh, can you give us kind of an idea of any of the cars you've worked on? Yes. Um, 
we were talking earlier, I think that I did the math and figured out that's probably my 37th or 38th vehicle that I've owned. You know, everything from, you know, 1940s hot rods to brand new BMW. So I have a very diverse, um, I guess, a love for anything automotive. You know, I've had Jeeps and four-wheel drive trucks to low riders to bag trucks to, you know, old pickup trucks to high horsepower hot rods, um, pretty much everything. You know, I, I really don't have many genres that I don't appreciate. Um, and that's what I did all through high school for a job. And then after high school and after college, like we started building hot rods for, and, uh, you know, I was that was what I did for a profession. You know, we were building six figure cars, you know, that we were very good at it. Um, you know, we worked really hard to be considered the best in our niche or whatever. Um, and so we took a lot of pride in it. You know, we built brand new cars and brand new trucks and, you know, several hundred thousand dollar hot rods for guys. And, you know, we would drive them all over the country too. We would finish, we would build them in Tennessee and then we would drive them to Vegas for SEMA every year. So our reputation was that not only did we build something that looked very good, but our shit worked. Like, you know, we, we drove it, you know, we would, we built a 66 Chevelle and then drove it from Tennessee to Vegas and back with four guys in it, in a two door Chevelle. Um, you know, it, it, and we just did that. Um, and so that also taught me that there's absolutely no excuse for not doing a good job on everything you do. Um, most of the time, if the only thing that separates a good job from a bad job is caring. Um, and if you care about it, you're going to do a good job. And so that's, that's what we did. We did a very good job. We built a lot of really cool cars and trucks. That's awesome. Uh, we're in conversation here with Josie Sandy. Uh, the, are you you're a one man team over there, Josie, at the Mac Made Workshop? Uh, just me. Uh, my dog pulls like security duty, but that's about it. Man. It's <laughs> right. just me here. Love it, man. Love it. And uh, that's MacMade underscore uh, Workshop over on Instagram. So um, I would encourage you if you're still listening to the pod at this point, kind of click below. Right. We're gonna we're gonna link it down below. But uh, you got to go just have a look at the page because it's. Um, it's pretty cool, man. Like you'll, you'll get kind of lost in it. So M A C K M A D underscore workshop. Um, Bryce, anything you want to uh, add in here before we let Josie go? Yeah, Josie, are you, uh, you said you're in Tennessee. Um, I'm technically in Alabama, but I'm right on the, oh, okay. I was just saying I played, uh, me and my family went to, uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and I played, uh, the Gatlinburg, uh, golf club, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. And I was just, it's beautiful down there. The golf's cool. It's so much different than up here. And yeah. uh, I just think that course, I only played that one course, but it's just a beautiful area for sure. Yeah. We're, uh, I'm, I'm technically like Tennessee Hill people and I just happen to live in Alabama now. Uh, so we get up born and raised up there, still get back up there to play golf all the time. Like I'm not far away from, uh, Sweetens Cove. I'm sure everybody's heard of that. It's now super famous now. But it's only about an hour and a half from my house. Uh, so we get back up there often, especially during the fall when the, the leaves are changing and everything. It's hard to imagine a better scenery for golf than mm. East Tennessee in the fall. That's awesome. Yeah, we're pretty lucky. We've got uh, you know a couple really nice spots, but you got to go pretty far east. Like where I am, I'm kind of right not in the middle of the country, but Canada is massive for anybody who doesn't know. Like it's yeah. absolutely huge. So um, you got to go four days west or 
you know, two and a half days east to play some of the really, really prime spots. But in Ontario, we've got some really like where I'm located in the Toronto area here, really, really top courses, um, like great while you're on the course and then you kind of leave and it's just a concrete jungle everywhere else. Right. So, but, uh, thanks so much, Josie. This has been great, man. I really appreciate it. These, uh, these putters with my name, obviously caught my eye kind of right away. And, uh, Bryce loves talking gear. So I appreciate you coming on. If anybody's looking to uh, get a hold of you, kind of wants to chat a putter, um, you know, check out any of your work. What's the best way to uh, reach you? Uh, Instagram's usually the easiest, you know, I, I check it. It's, it's kind of just part of my job and I check it really often, you know, and I don't, I'm happy to get on there and interact with anybody else that cares about my stuff. So, that's usually the best way to get a hold of me. Great, I'll uh, I'll go ahead. I'll link that in the description below. So if you're you know on Apple Podcast, Spotify, anything like that, scroll down. The website will be below as well, and then uh, on the Screws Podcast over on YouTube. If you just kind of scroll down, I'll I'll link those there. Uh, Josie, thanks so much, man. I appreciate that. He's not in my ball and of course so I tee up I lose the ball and I re-up I miss the fairway, I probably end up in the ocean Or maybe the beach And I'm on a part five and I'm finna go reach it Second was blind, I see it Feel like it might be an average